Welcome to Emerge Dynamics. Emerge Dynamics. The podcast for those who manage and invest in middle market private companies across the globe. globe. We're telling the stories of the unsung champions who take enormous risks every day to weave the fabric of our societies. Those visionaries who serve our communities by delivering products and services to their customers in better ways than they could have otherwise had. Those who collectively, from the multi-trillion dollar largest market on the planet and create the jobs that feed more families than any other organization could ever hope to. We're diving into the dynamics of what makes these organizations thrive, what makes some of them emerge from their peers and create incredible returns and impact on their communities. This is Emerge Dynamics. Hey folks, thanks for joining us as we continue our journey toward understanding what makes an organization emerge from its peers. We are still here on purpose and we are going to move next into mission. Mission and vision. And I think it's important to really set some definitions on this before we go too deep into the weeds. A lot of times when people think of the purpose of a business, they will think of it in terms of hey, my business is a good business because I can make a lot of money and then I can donate it to a charity. Maybe there are starving children somewhere in the world and the money my business creates uh, can be donated there. Maybe I can donate so they can have shoes. I can donate so they can have money. And so therefore, my business has purpose. Those are very good things, but I want to make sure we don't, I guess, confuse the purpose of the business itself. Absolutely, when a business owner gets uh, profit, when earns profit, and decides to use some of that profit for some charitable cause, that is a good thing, and we'd like that to continue to happen. However, this kind of leads to the thinking of giving back. It almost implies as if the business owner somehow took And now in atonement for all the taking from society they did, they now have to give back to society. Um, I don't think that's the right way to look at things. I think a business, when it operates properly, gives to its community just in the operations of itself. A business, when properly run, makes its community better off during its business hours. So when we're talking about a mission and a vision of a business and a purpose of a business, we're talking about the core everyday actions of the business itself. What is the business doing? What is it doing that's good and what is it on a mission to do? When everyone on the team shows up in the morning and says to themselves, I'm here to work, what is it in their heads that they think that they are there for? Are they there only for a paycheck or are they there for some common cause? I can think back to when I was running a flight training organization Uh, I wasn't tuned into this kind of thinking at the time, but I certainly was developing a mission for the business, and that was in aviation safety. The idea being that if we can show up at work today and we can make aviation a little bit safer, if we can make one accident not happen, one death not happen, because we taught people how to fly airplanes better and safer, that was a reason for getting up in the morning. So that's the kind of thing that we're talking about. Next, we're going to dive into mission and vision. I think it's important to separate these two. 
They can be confused. People use different definitions for them. They use different terminology for them. I think of a mission statement as why the company exists. It's the purpose of the organization. It captures its soul. It's its reason for being. It's not what the organization does. It's why it does it. It's a purpose that we try to fulfill but can never attain. And I think it's it needs to be something that's concrete and can affect the behavior of everyone in the organization. So if I step back to the aviation training company and our mission to make aviation safer, it's really never possible to make aviation completely safe. But we could be on a lifelong mission to always make aviation safer. And using this mission became a litmus test, a recruiting tool for everyone who joined the organization. If they were there only to get a paycheck or only to build hours in order to get a better job in aviation, they were not a good fit for the team and they could not be part of the team. We had to have people who also lived and breathed making aviation safer as well. That became part of our culture and what we recruited. A vision, however, is aspirational. It's what we want to achieve. I like to think of it as it doesn't predict your future. Instead, it's a tool to help you create it. Think of it almost as a seductive vision of the future. So vision is very tuned into mission, but vision is really an accomplishable goal. If we think about um, Microsoft, maybe had a vision of a computer on every desk. It was an accomplishable goal. It's a very lofty, very uh, big goal, but they did it. Uh, effectively, almost everyone in the world at this point has a computer on their desk. So uh, that's the idea between vision and mission. One final thing before we get to our guest segment Super important. There are so many companies out there who either internally will develop a mission and a vision or they'll hire some consultants to come in and do an exercise about a mission and a vision. Uh, there's a there's a fun exercise that happens and then this ends up getting talked about, written on a piece of paper, maybe even a plaque on the wall, and that's the end of it. If you're doing that, you're really, really missing the boat. We'll put in the show notes page something about um, where vision can go wrong if it's not done correctly. You as the owner of the organization, the manager of the organization, the leader of the organization, you have to live this. If this is just a statement on a piece of paper, it's not going to work. It's going to be a waste of your time and money. This needs to be what you are about, what you live, the drum that you beat and pound every day. That's what we're talking about here. That's what make this, makes this authentic, and that's what drives your team to unimaginable heights. So let's keep that in mind as we jump to our next segment. We've got a fantastic guest today who struck me as one of the people I've met on my journey who lives this stuff more than any others. Kevin, thanks so much for being here with us today and spending some time with us. Welcome to the show. Good, good to talk to you and Eric. It's good seeing you guys. Great. Yes. Um, looking forward. We have so much to talk about with you. We're looking forward to catching up with you. Looking forward to hearing how things have been since your transaction. 
But for the benefit of the folks who don't yet know you, can you tell us what is ACGI? What, what does it do? Uh, ACGI is a software company. It stands for Association Consulting Group Incorporated. We're providing software solutions to professional associations, typically enterprise, international, national-based associations, uh, but also uh, trade organizations and certifying bodies. So it's all the data about members and their, their events and their credentials and their CEUs and their donations, their subscriptions, all those revenue streams for professional associations. Great. And before we get into some of the, maybe the current meat of, uh, of what's going on there and, and recent developments, I think it's always good to start at the beginning and, and move forward because it's so important as to why a business was founded. Uh, I believe you're, you're a co-founder, yes? Yeah, I, actually uh, 24 years tomorrow, uh, we started the business. Uh, Oh, happy birthday. Business with my, my co-founder. Uh, we had worked for a software company uh, just out of college, early 90s. Uh, started working for a company that did similar things. And after almost seven years, we found ourselves, uh, they ran into some financial difficulties and kicked us out of the nest. And at the time, uh, yeah, and quite, quite striking. How how that come together? How how did you go from that to saying let's let's start our own business and how did you think you could do it better? Well, uh, you, you know it's one of those days I'll, I'll never forget. Back in uh, September, it was actually a Friday, Friday September thirteenth, which I now call Freedom Day. By the way, I celebrate it every year. Um, uh, we had our third kid on the way, and I remember just. Uh, being called into the office, basically said, hey, you guys are no longer employed here. They'd shut down our entire software division. So it left all of our customers, all the customers we'd work with for years and years and years uh, with nobody to support them. So when we install this software, it runs your entire organization, all your revenues flow through it, all your contact with your members and your constituents flow through it. And uh, in one day, I had no job and our customers had really nobody to support them, nobody to uh, finish their implementations, their customizations. I had one one customer call me in a panic. He was from Texas. He goes, uh, it's September. Our dues renewals go out at the end of September and your company was supposed to do a customization. And I remember wow. telling um, that's no longer my company. I don't work there anymore. Um, so what really prompted us, uh, it took us eight business days to incorporate. So legal advice, business advice, finance advice, um, incorporated in the state of Maryland, uh, quickly because we had customers that, that we worked with, we loved working with, that we cared for, uh, many of them we'd worked with for years and years and years. So I felt like we had poured our, our heart and soul into helping those customers and I couldn't just leave them just sitting there languishing with a product that wasn't supported because there was nobody at a prior company left to support them to answer the phone. So when they called, we answered, we said, hey, we can do this, even if it's just a bridge, even if we just do this for a couple of years, just to stabilize our customers, it bought us some time. So uh, my co-founder, Dan, and I uh, decided to start a business, just the two of us, and over the past now 24 years, uh, have successfully grown the business uh, from two of us. We've gotten up to almost 70 staff. So 
Uh, it's been a, a good success story over a couple decades. Fantastic. Sounds like you've added some people since we last talked. Yeah, add and subtract. Uh, the last last few months have not been particularly kind in adding more staff, as you would imagine, but um, we've contracted a little bit. But Great. And, um, and so I know there's a lot that happened between that founding story and when Eric and I met you. Um, yeah. but, but maybe we can summarize some of that. I know when Eric and I um, first met you, we visited your office. We're getting a little feedback. Let's see. Is that better? Yeah, that's better. Okay. So when Eric and I first met you, we visited your office and uh, we were impressed by what we saw at your office. On your walls, we saw, I believe, values. There were, it was either painted or decals. You had a B on the, I mean, it was, it was, it was very, uh, very prominent, uh, your values. Share with us that. How, how did that get on the wall? What was? Did you just paint it one night overnight and say, "Hey, team, here's what we're doing"? Was it was it a collaborative thing? Was it was it an evolution? How'd that come to be? Yeah, that, those actually uh, they were they're basically big decals. They're kind of like fat hats, but they take up the whole wall. <laughs> so when we had renovated the office, expanded into the suite next to us, got the whole floor, uh, we wanted to put just reminders of why we're basically what I call our four pillars of success or the four pillars on which we're founded. Um, the four P's people, product process and partners. And really in, in that order, our people come first. Uh, we're only as good as the people that work here. So uh, we would put, put those four pillars around the office and big fat head decals uh, with, with definitions and explaining why our people are important, why our product is important. We're a software company. So our deliverable is our, our services around that product. Uh, one of the ones that's maybe the, the hardest uh, or the most elusive for folks is process. I'm a big process guy. It's how we do what we do. You know, it's, yeah. it's uh, everything from our agile processing and engineering to implementation methodology to our support. Uh, so process is important. It allows us to be repeatable, to improve that process, to get better at what we're doing. So people, product, process, and of course, our partners, which we would consider all our customers, our partners, uh, but also our extended network of those that we rely on uh, to, to supplement and augment and kind of best of breed as we connect and integrate with other partners. So uh, those four pillars uh, have we had been talking about them, and everyone knows our four pillars of success is based on those four things. So um, it wasn't a surprise when I put them on the wall. We actually had had done some uh, corporate activities, some company meetings where I asked the staff to give us the attributes of the people. Right? What, what are the what are the attributes we want in our people? And they just, just started coming up with a list of, we want them reliable, we want them accountable, we want them intelligent, we want them hardworking. And they just attribute after attribute. And that actually went into the graphics as kind of a word art as it spells people on the uh, decal. Uh, did the same for our product. What do you want in our product? You know, uh, We want it innovative. So all these attributes become part of that, I guess the fabric of uh, what we make visible. So it, it was a natural progression of things that 
we've always defined ourselves by uh, to put them and make them a little bit more visible. It wasn't forced. It wasn't like, hey, you know, let's uh, slap some things out of the wall and make everyone repeat them type of thing. It just uh, naturally grew out of really what was, we probably started talking about four pillars probably, you know, year three or four as we started growing and needed um, just some concepts to rally around. So. Beautiful. I know we were very impressed when we when we saw it on your walls. And I think uh, that sure seemed to me, at least, to be reflected in the culture. It seemed that the folks were were living that. And uh, I'm sure every culture, every business has got challenges and issues and you know things, things in the cracks. But at, at least uh, the net seemed to be a strong, vibrant culture that we were very impressed to see. So I think you were already on a great path at that time. Thank you for that. I've got, uh, again, great, great staff, uh, folks that worked here a long time. Some of the folks, even I'd worked at at our prior place that kicked us out of the nest. So it was good to uh, uh, just work with good folks. And we spent a lot of time at work. So uh, having good folks around us and uh, it was just fantastic. So I, I have nothing but great praise for our staff. So I think that gets us kind of to the meat of what we wanted to talk about today. As, as you know, Kevin, we're, one thing we're doing with this podcast is really trying to dive into what are the things that help a business uh, emerge from its peers? What, what helps it really kind of just become the best version of itself? And uh, Eric and I certainly believe that when a business is grounded with its purpose, when everyone on the team shows up in the morning for a reason, um, everything just works better, right? It, of course, the business is more profitable, but it has more impact on its community. And the, the thing that just struck me so much was after, uh, shortly after Eric and I went to visit you, we spent a couple of days with you and your team. It was a wonderful time. Uh, I think you did an offsite with your team shortly after we had visited and you sent us, you forwarded us an email that you had sent to your team. Uh, and, you know, I, I think I almost cried when I read it. Uh, it was, I, I couldn't have wrote, written something better myself uh, when I saw this. So I'd like, let me just maybe read an excerpt from that email. And then I'd love for yeah, you to yeah. comment on it. It was, it was sure. wonderful. Um, here, here's just a quick excerpt. You said, what we do has meaningful purpose. What we do matters. It matters to our customers. It matters to those our customers exist on behalf of. Let us reflect on that meaningful purpose and who we are, what we do, and how we do it. Let us reflect that meaningful purpose in our mission statement. Yeah, a, a moment of uh, uh, I don't know, divine inspiration, I guess. Um, you know, what's funny is... Uh, probably for a couple months going into that end of the year meeting, this would have been uh, late fall, early winter of 18. I had polled our staff on what they thought our mission was and our core values and uh, what are our strengths and weaknesses. So a lot of it was building on uh, things that, that you and Eric and I and the executive team had talked through uh, as we evaluate our business. You know, do we know, what separates us from our competition? Do we know our strengths that we can build on? Do we know our weaknesses that we need to fortify? Do we know why we exist? And uh, so I started pulling the staff and, you know, when you ask those broad questions and sometimes you, 
you know, the answers you get are equally broad and generic. And maybe it was the way I was phrasing it, but I can sense from the answers of, yeah, we get a sense, a general sense of who we are, but not a not a specific understanding, nor are we able to articulate why we exist. I mean, at the end of the day, we're a software company, all right? We, we produce software. We collect data. We disseminate data. We analyze data, all right? And um, from just from a, a core business standpoint, that's who we are. And uh, the engineer in me loves that. You know, I'm an engineer by education, and I love building stuff that we deliver every day, uh, stuff that people will use to pay their dues, to look up the record, to change their contact information, to record their CEUs, to apply for, for membership, to apply for certification. I love building that stuff. Uh, so it appeals to the engineer me to be a software company. Uh, but, but I also noticed that sometimes we, just, we need a little bit more than just the engineering side of the company. And it was this articulation of purpose uh, was important. It was an important thing to try to articulate that better. And, and I love what with as the executive team, we, we mulled this over for weeks uh, that we, we basically came up with our mission statement, which is we don't change the world. And I love how we start that. You know, we don't change the world. We know our place. We help our customers change the world through our delivery of innovative software and outstanding service. And it's it kind of puts us in right position in relationship to our customers who are those professional associations and, and sure change the world, probably a cliche, probably overused in mission statements. Um, but it, what we do matters not only to our staff, but to our customers and their constituents. And, and I started uh, in one of the company meetings, we started talking about our customers you know, the, the hundreds of customers we have and what do they do and why does what they do matter? And we would we mentioned the emergency room nurses, okay? It's like, you know what? We, we don't change the world, but that emergency room nurse who's caring for those that are in their care, whether it's your children, your family members, somebody you know, your friends, I want them certified. You know, the pediatric nurse, I want, I want them certified. I want them good at their job. Because maybe they're not changing the world in a big perspective, but they're definitely changing the world on a you know very personal level for somebody somewhere. So uh, it, it moved us from just software development to wait a minute, we have, we have a mission here. We're not just cranking out software to crank out software. We're we're empowering our customers to help their members do their jobs better, become more proficient at it, uh, and in some respects to change the world, whether it's safety engineers, whether it's labs that test for lead in paint and soil and, and dust. And it's like, yeah, I want those guys good at that, you know, for those that are in those high risk environments. So uh, yeah, allowing us to move from a general sense of, yeah, we're a software company and this is what we do to a more articulate statement of who we are. And again, we know we don't change the world but our customers do. So it puts us in right position, if you will, or right perspective in regards to who our customers are and what they do. And David, there's something about uh, that sense of purpose, that sense of mission that uh, this generation, especially the later generations, the millennials and Gen X, Gen Y, Gen Z, and I don't know all the other letters that are thrown in generations now, (laughs) 
they want that sense of purpose. Yes. You know? they, they, they want a sense of, I'm not just, you know, oh, just showing up every day, just punching the clock, but what we do matters. And, um, you know, we're, we're, we're doing a bunch of work, some delivery this week with some big, important deadlines. And I love the fact that the staff rallies around that. And it's not just deliver of software. It's how do we enable and equip our athletic trainers to get in and get certified? You know, I love that part of it. So, uh, yeah, to go from general sense of mission to a specific articulation of our mission to know where we stand and wh where we are positioned properly with regards to our customers and what they do uh, is really helpful to, for our staff, for rallying our staff around those concepts. So well said. Thank you. I, th I don't know that we could have uh, could have said that better ourselves. That's, that's beautiful. <laughs> you, you teed it up pretty well. So, <laughs> so well, and so let, let's think too, I know, not not that much later, uh, a suitor came along and uh, started talking with you. They were very interested in your business. And I, I want to maybe let Eric get in here and ask some questions, because especially as you got closer to your transaction, Eric uh, started working with you more closely on that. But tell us, how did all this um, work? How did all this play into that transaction? Uh, how did they view your culture? Did they like it? Did they think it was just mumbo jumbo fluff? How, how did that work leading up to the transaction? And then I guess maybe next we'll talk about how are things post-transaction, but first pre-transaction and diligence. How did this work? Yeah, I'd, you know, I'd say, uh, you know, our work with you guys uh, back in the fall of 18, we, we weren't looking to sell. I mean, we were just trying to get better business that, you know, as at some point, knowing that that's inevitable, right? It's either it's going to you know, some kind of transfer of ownership at some point, I would hope, right, would happen. So uh, for us, it was how do we improve our business? And, and I thought you guys had provided just fantastic catalyst uh, to our executive team. Uh, we put our mission board together. Uh, we started talking our, our our mission, our strategies, our objectives, our tactics. You know, we kind of follow that VMOS framework. Uh, that you guys really turn, uh, you know, put me on to. And um, it, it gave us definition and it gave us a little bit more focus as an executive team and how we manage our business. Uh, so when the suitor came along and it was un, unprompted by us, uh, I thought, I mean, I'm a young guy. At the time, you know, I was 50. I think we we're meeting. I'm 52 now and um, wasn't looking to get out anytime soon. Uh, I just wanted to be a better business, knowing that that will just help us when and if that moment came. So uh, pre-transaction, it was healthy to be able to talk culture and, and become a better business overall. Uh, you know, did it factor into the due diligence? It, it didn't hurt. Um, I don't think they asked enough questions about that, to be honest. And, and that was a red flag for us that I, I didn't want to just be boiled down to uh, due diligence of P&L and dollars and cents and EBITDA. Even, those are important. Okay, make, make no mistake. That's, that's stuff, the metrics are important. But I, I knew and I know that we're so much more than the sum of, of the bottom line there. Um, uh, so it started to factor in uh, to some extent. You know, if we don't have the metrics then were much less desirable. Um, 
but it's having good core values, good sense of purpose that really started impacting our business all the way through well before we started talking with uh, our suitor. So uh, pre-transaction, yeah, it, it impacted our business because it made us a better business. Well, and Kevin, I, I know during the course of working through the uh, transaction, it came up that uh, you had the opportunity to speak to, I believe, the COO of the suitor. And I think you, you got into that conversation more about values. And maybe you could talk a, a little bit about that and how that impacted um, you know, your decisioning and working through the transaction and then post-transaction, how that's, uh, how that's played out. Yeah, that's a, that's a good question, Eric. Um, I, I would say that uh, going into the transaction, one of the biggest concerns was what does this mean to us as a company and a culture? What's the impact on our staff? What's the impact on our customers? Because, you know, we didn't want to uh, sell to a chop shop or, you know, somebody that's just going to part and sell us off in pieces. And just because we, we have more we want to accomplish here, you know, you know, so uh, their approach to business ultimately wasn't really critical for, for me as a, as a business owner to my business partner, that if we're just going to sell to somebody that's going to discard us, not respect us, uh, that is problematic and it probably wouldn't happen. Uh, we were not under duress to sell. Uh, there was really no significant catalyst driving us into that transaction. Thankfully that it gave us the leverage we needed uh, to look at, look and evaluate that aspect, their culture as best as I can determine that from the outside looking in. And even, even the folks we dealt with on the M and a side, which uh you know, I'm sure, you know, at some level, they're sales guys. So I'm a little cautious anyway, going into it. You know, I was like, all right, what are they selling us? Are they selling us a bag of goods? And I realized over the months and months of conversations and meetings and uh, due diligence that they were good people. They were just good people. They're the people I didn't mind battling, if you will, in negotiations. And Eric, you know, we, we had some knocked out, drag out conversations that were just just brutal to the senses, okay? I, I still shiver when I think about some of those conversations. But all the way through, it felt like there was a sense of they're good people. They want what's obviously what's best for them, but not one-sided. They, they also want to make sure it's fair and it's balanced. And, and I saw that going into the transaction, uh, getting to meet the COO, uh, Guy by the name of Ron, he's just a fantastic fellow. Uh, I realized that we share similar values. Uh, he sends out a newsletter once a month. All the we're, we're one of 29 companies, 30 companies in the portfolio. Uh, so he sends this out to hundreds of folks under the umbrella. And one of the first ones I read talked about their core values of integrity and respect. And the newsletter then every month takes a different concept of core value and just dives deeper into it. The one just this week talks about how do we respect one another. And it's when I get those emails from the company that acquired us and I realize, yeah, I, they, they see life in, in some respects very much like I would run the business. And, and I respect that so much. So I, I'm very grateful 
that post-transaction, I've found a home, if you will, with a company that respects my, my opinion, our staff, uh, our approach to business, our core values to them matter. And they let us kind of do what we're doing. And I could not be any happier. So I know it's a long answer to your short question, but uh, both pre-transaction, I saw hints of it. Post-transaction, it's been confirmed. But and I didn't realize, you know, once once that transaction closes and the, the flow of funds happen, whether or not that stuff will matter. And it always has mattered, always. And it still matters today. And, and I'm grateful uh, to have found uh, a, a good business partner that that has and shares a lot of the same core values. And I'm just so grateful. And Kevin, if you could maybe rewind back a, f- a few years, there's so many people out there who are running businesses, they've started businesses, uh, they have not yet gone through a transaction. Um, they have maybe have not yet infused a purpose-based culture I know we've asked you a lot of questions, just maybe an open-ended thing. What, what would you recommend to others out there if you could talk to the Kevin of five years ago or Kevin of 10 years ago or to somebody running a business who maybe just isn't thinking like this? Any advice for them? I, oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I guess I would go with uh, be more than coin-operated, you know, uh, that – what we do, what I do as a business owner matters to our staff. And, and you know, it, it's funny because over the last year, there's been a lot of time to reflect back on decades of, of business leadership, of growing the business. And I realize I've, uh, we've created a, a great environment where the people I work with, I've seen them have kids, have those kids grow up have those kids get married and now are having kids. I mean, we've been doing this long enough with the same folks that it's like, wait, I'm a part of that success. And that it's not just always about the bottom line. That's important. <laughs> Staying in business is important. Having a healthy balance sheet and, and good EBITDA, uh, you know, obviously for, for us has always been, in fact, it's one of our missions is improve our financial core. So we don't ignore that part of it. But there has to be more. And I know I'm not coin operator. I'm not just motivated just by the money. Uh, so what I would tell, you know, as a small piece of advice, humbly say, try try to be more than coin operator. Understand why you show up every day, why you do what you do, not just for yourself, but for your staff, because they don't always get to participate in that that. Uh, uh, that win in the end, you know, they're, they're participating in that every day as they show up to the work, uh, to work and get the job done. They, they want that sense of mission and they can't always find it in themselves. They have to, uh, in some respects, look to the leadership to help articulate that. Um, so that would be my recommendation is don't always just be coin operated. Uh, that's important, but it can't be the sole reason why you're in business. And, you know, as a small business owner, David, I think you and I were talking earlier, right? But the country is founded on small businesses and you look and see what is happening to small businesses in the last six months. And it just, it breaks my heart to see uh, a lot of those small businesses just take it on the chin over and over and over again. I'm a big fan of small business. So yes, uh, certainly the, 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 the metrics are important to stay in business, 
uh, but there has to be a, maybe something more than just the finances. It has to be a sense of purpose. And my recommendation to business owners is it's happened that find it, articulate it, if not just for yourself, but for your staff, maybe for your industry, maybe for your customers, maybe for your prospects, uh, because it's it's worth it's worth finding that thing that gets you and motivates you more than just uh, dollars and cents. Kevin, thanks so much for taking sure. this time with us. Uh, your 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 story, your sharing is just so valuable. I just know that there's going to be people who are going to hear this. Uh, who are going to be inspired by your story and and create better businesses because of it. So thanks so much for taking sure, this My time. pleasure. And I'm tr truly blessed and uh, grateful for the journey. And uh, I appreciate uh, being able to walk beside you guys for the last few years. You guys have been a great asset. So we, thank you. We, we have loved uh, every step of the way. <laughs> and And what if people want to learn more about your company, where can they go? Uh, www.acgisoftware.com. Great. Sounds good. And we'll put a link to that in the, in the show notes. Thanks, Kevin. And look forward to sure. catching up with you again soon. Thanks, David. Thanks, Eric. Peace, guys. Peace.